Dave Wadsworth, how are you? Oh, fantastic, Leslie. Good to see you, bud. You doing all right? I'm doing wonderful. Doing wonderful. Excited about the Black and White Men Talking podcast. This is me, Leslie Peters, and my main guy. Couldn't get any better if I dreamed it up. Mr. Dave Wiseworth himself. And uh, listen, this is episode 26 as we're cracking them out and uh, uh, putting them out. Don't look at me cracking them out. No, <laughs> we're popping them out. Uh, but this is going to be an episode that is no doubt uh, might have some people. Uh, uh, emotions high and things. And this may be one, quite honestly, that Dave and I have to really work through it. So we're going to show you the art of what we mean when we say black and white men talking. Today is an episode to see that live and in person as we deal with the very complex, complicated issue, but a very passionate topic to me. I'm sure to Dave as well, because although we may have different views, the one thing about, about us that's the same, we believe in fairness. So I have no doubt we'll work to a common resolution, but we want to just show the world today that it's still possible for black and white men to talk when they may see things very differently or when they initially, uh, their passions high on both sides. So again, uh, the, the title of the show today is affirmative action today, obviously coming off the latest Supreme Court ruling in the case regarding Harvard and University of North Carolina's admission policies um, as it relates to affirmative action and the Supreme Court's ruling that that was not constitutional under the equal, the 14th, 14th Amendment, the Equal Protection Clause. So, Dave, <laughs> welcome back, man. I, I would say I, we got an easy one, but we never do easy. So, no, you know, easy's already been done. We got to get to the hard stuff. That's right. If it, well, like I said, if it was easy, anybody would do it, right? That's, that's true. Good point. You know? So, let me just go on to do this. I'm just going to go on and give us an applause right now. <laughs> I'm going to go on and give it up for us uh, for even tackling this issue. Um, so I'm going to let you start off, my friend, uh, and then, you know, I will be ready to respond. I promise you that. <laughs> oh, thanks, Leslie. You're awesome. Um, I tell you what, yeah, we'll butt heads. We, we come from different backgrounds, of course, and we have different thought patterns. But, but the main thing we look at is, is intellectual honesty. Let's be honest. Um, if it if it benefits uh, you, it benefits me. No matter how we do this, but but uh, let's be honest and and let's try to figure this thing out. And and what goes on, you know, around us, we we control what we can do, what we say, and what we do. That's what we control. And so that's a key in our lives. And and every person, when they see injustice. They need to, to, to bring it up and say, wait a minute, we're not going to put up with this. Now, uh, the Supreme Court uh, this week, I, since I've been traveling, I, I heard bits and pieces. And, and Leslie, you're you're much more a student of, of law than I am. And, and you understand that. Um, and of course, you know, the justices, they know the law and they, they know how to, to do this. But really what happens is on the ground, OK, at these universities, uh, at these places of business, 
in every situation, uh, it, it that's where it, the rubber meets the road and things really happen. Okay. And the great thing I like about today is that you can get the word out and, and spread the news. If there's injustice somewhere and, and there's something going on that shouldn't be, then you can quickly get on social media or, or somewhere, some platform and say, okay, here's what happened here. Here are the facts and, and get them out there. And that's what you want. And so I think uh, today, and this is the reason why I love the video cams. I like, I watch a lot of YouTube where I see these, uh, well, any individual, but black individuals, I watch them and they're videoing a traffic stop and they're going through and, and, and things are happening and they're just kind of narrating and say, wait a minute, officer, you can't be doing this. Or, or I, my right is to stay in my vehicle. This is a simple traffic stop. You can't just be pulling me out of my vehicle and, and all this. And and I watch that stuff and I'm like, praise God for the uh, video and, and, and all this technology to expose things that are wrong. And it teaches all of us. It's like, hey, if he's explaining his right, well, that lets me know, hey, I've got a right you know, to defend myself in, in whatever injustice or what, what's going on. But this case here, um, I think... Uh, what goes what happens is the world today in my opinion keeps trying to divide us divide us divide us divide us and i think they're looking to to uh, to keep doing that and and i don't know i don't know the law i just know that we shouldn't discriminate against people based on you know race or ethnicity or or gender any of that stuff uh and we need to have reasonably fair uh admission standards uh, and I know they're multifaceted. Apparently, when you go in to, to apply for a school, especially Harvard or, or North Carolina, any of these big schools, it's not just one thing. You know, you got the highest SAT score, you're in. It, it's not that. It's a whole process. And you could probably get into that because I know you've studied this and read the material, as you mentioned. So uh, I really I, I hate injustice. But I also understand, you know, the other side that says, hey, wait a minute, you know, why are you, you know, preferencing certain people just because, you know, not the content of their character, but this specific, you know, ethnicity or gender or whatever. So I, I don't I'm going to let you take that because, Leslie, I explain more about uh, what happened here and, and how they they go about the admissions process. That might help people. Yeah. Uh, and. Yeah, sure thing. So first of all, this case uh, is not new, right? This has been going on since 1978. Uh, the Supreme Court has been rejecting this notion since 1978 or 79, I believe. And um, so if we go back, uh, just a little history, if we look at, you know, purpose of affirmative action, right? Affirmative action, I'm, I'm going to put two words. So affirmative action became a mandate, but there's a reason why it became a mandate. Mm -hmm. Before affirmative action was ever made a mandate, it was on the law, on the books to be equal and fair treatment and to do what affirmative action mandated. Nobody was doing it. It was not being implemented. It was not being forced. And so as a result of nothing happening, it had to be mandated to force people to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. 
So that's that's how that's, that's the creation of it. So I just wanna I just wanna and you gotta remember the era and the time at which this happened and where we were as a country at that time. Um, um, so so understand that at that particular time, uh, affirmative action, it, if people would have been doing the right thing, it would have been no need for affirmative action. They were not, and they would not, even when the law was put in place, so affirmative action had to become a mandate so that it could be enforced. So that's affirmative action. Second is affirmative action never said anything or required anything to do with a quota. That was never affirmative action. That's not that's not what it what it was created to do. That's not what it did. Um, so I implore all of you to just read more into affirmative action. But there was never a quota. We use that term in society a lot about a quota. I used to hear that even as a young man coming out of college. Okay, I got to I got to reach my black quota. Now you just think about that. I'm I'm hearing people tell me that. As a black man, I got to reach my black quota. What kind of mess is that, right? But yeah. that's that's what I lived through. So that's that's real real talk, real life, real world. So when we look at the ruling that happened uh, this week, well, last week, because we're in a new week now, it was about two schools. It was about the Harvard University, Harvard, and it was about University of North Carolina and their admission policies. Two of the oldest institutions of higher learning we have here in America. Both have high, both have highly selective admission processes. Mm -hmm. Everybody know those are two of the hardest schools to get into. Okay. So every year, if we take Harvard, for example, they have over 60,000 students that apply. Now let's be let's just be honest. Nobody, nobody that's dumb is applying to Harvard. That's right. We're talking about sixty thousand, and they all smart. Because let's just just let's just be honest about that. Because <laughs> <laughs> just getting through the application alone, you you you're not doing that. You're not doing that if you're not. So of that sixty thousand, they will accept less than two thousand. Hmm. So it's a very small number. So it's very tough to get into Harvard. University of North Carolina, very similar. So in Harvard's criteria, all right, uh, let, me, let, me, let me pull this up here. So, so, so what you're saying, Leslie, about what is that? Three and a half percent? Uh, not oh, even four like percent. Yeah. Uh, if you do the math, well, that's, how do they select that? What's their quota as far as what do they say? Okay, we're only going to accept two thousand. They've already enforced a, a particular quota based on their maybe capacity or, or whatever. I don't well, know. Let, let me just explain the selection process. So at Harvard, each application for admission is initially screened by a first reader, who assigns a numerical score in each of six categories: academic, extracurricular, athletic, school support, personal, and overall. For the overall category is a composite of the five other ratings. A first reader can and does consider the applicant's race for the overall category. Harvard's admissions and subcommittees then review all applications from a particular geographical area. These regional subcommittees make recommendations to the full admissions committee and they take an applicant's race into account. 
When the 40 member full admissions committee begins its deliberation, it discusses the relative breakdown of applicants by race. The goal of the process, according to Harvard's director of admissions, is assuring that there is no dramatic drop off in minority admissions from one year to another. In other words, they want to keep a certain standard of minorities. Now, there's a reason that's to the body. Uh, again, you want to have a well-balanced student body. You don't want to have it where it's just all everybody the same. So right. they want to keep a certain percentage of diversity. So, all right. So that's why they say they do it that way to maintain. Okay. So that's Harvard's admission process. Then the full committee's votes is tentatively accepted for admission. At the end of this process, the racial composition of the tentative applicant pool is disclosed to the committee. The last stage of Harvard's admission process called the LOP, L-O-P, windows the list of tentatively admitted students to arrive at the final class. So it, it, they take that, that LOP list and they bring it down. All right, now applicants that Harvard considers cutting at this stage are placed on the LOP list, which contains only four pieces of information legacy status, recruited athlete status, financial aid eligibility, and race. In the Harvard admissions process, race is a determinative tip for a significant percentage of all admitted African-Americans and Hispanic applicants. All right, that's Harvard. And UNC has a similar admissions process. So that's, that's the admission process and how it works. Uh, and that's straight from the Supreme Court. So I just want to break down the processes. It is. That's what's in question. That's what the court case is about. And the court case is saying that that process violates the 14th Amendment and the Equal what, Protection so Clause. What's the four? The last four you said, athletics, race, and two other things, the, the LOP list. Oh, the, the LOP list. Okay, let me go back to that. So the LOP list... Uh, you said it come down to four categories. Yeah, yeah. All right. It contains legacy status, legacy recruited okay. athlete status, financial aid eligibility, and race. Okay. Financial aid uh, eligibility. In other words, can they pay? Well, that helps. I mean, if they're trying to. <laughs> I mean, you got to pay or you don't go, right? Right. right. Somebody's got to pay. Right. Right. Nothing, nothing in life is free. I, I mean, I just broke it down real. So I'm a simple guy. You know, we, you know, they write in fancy terms, but that's what it means. Can you get the financial aid to cover you, or, or do you have the aid to pay? That's yeah. you know, yeah. That's just good business. You want to make sure you get paid. I get. Well, that. I mean, you can't sustain something for nothing for free. Yeah, yeah. So it, those, those are the four components of the lot list. So yeah, yeah. Just go to McDonald's and say, I want my free cheeseburger today. And they're like, gotta have a coupon. <laughs> yeah, you got a coupon, or you got something else, or you got somebody beside you says, "Sure, I'll buy your." Right. right. Somebody's got to pay, uh, and nobody. Somebody got to pay. Right. Somebody pay. has to pay. So right. that is. So. So that is the that is the ruling. Um, now, for the first time since 1978, the Supreme Court. Uh, voted 63 in one case, 62, 63 in the North Carolina case, 62 in the Harvard case with Ketanji, Judge Ketanji Brown 
um, excusing herself from the Harvard case because she is a Harvard alum. That's fair, yeah. Right. That seems fair, yeah. All right, so that's why you have two different votes, 6362, okay? All right, so I think I've, that's the facts. That's the facts that we're working down. So, so I so think- Which part did they throw out? Did they throw out this LOP list? That's no, it? no, what they said was that race cannot be a factor in the admissions process is what they ultimately said. It can't be a factor. So so you can't be admitted or denied based on your race. That's what they're saying. Okay. All right. Well, and what they're saying, not solely. All right. So the language in the verse say you can't be solely admitted or denied based on race. Now, the reason oh. why that's a little iffy to me, because I don't see in any of their policies where they were solely admitted or not admitted on race but the but the ruling from the supreme court basically said that you couldn't be solely or uh race couldn't be the sole factor or the majority factor as they put it do they, do they have on this lop list what i'm wondering is on the lop list do they wait um you know legacy i understand legacy okay my dad my granddad everybody went to this school they okay you got a little leg up there financial aid yeah, you got to be able to pay, or somebody's got to pay. Okay, athletics. Um, athletics actually bring money into a, a school a lot of times, so there's some, you know, that's if you win it. And let's just face it, uh, you, know, the, you know, you know, you know, we gonna we gonna disagree here because you know I'm gonna I got some fire on that one. Well, and here's the thing. Yeah, you know I, what I'm gonna I'm say. Surprised okay. on that, this athletic one. I'm kind of surprised that that is part of this lop. Uh, that they, they say, okay, if you're an athlete, uh, you're valuable and you get in or not. You why, know, would you not be, why would you be surprised though? I, I'm surprised. Well, I, I'd be, I'm surprised that it come down to, well, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Should I? Because I know in the, in the winning schools, like the big 10, okay. Indiana, I went to Purdue. I'm a big Indiana fan. Uh, I guarantee you, if you're a really good athlete, they're going to say, we're going to get you a tutor and we're going to help you get your test scores up. And we're going to do this and that because it is big time, you know, money. I mean, those schools, it's, we're talking about serious. So, so wait a minute. So, right. So let's just break Cause at the end of the day, that comes down to money, right? Let's just yes. call it what it is. You yeah. want to win. If you win, it generates revenue. Don't nobody want to support a loser. And <laughs> and publicity, you get publicity right. for the school. A lot of a lot of students come to certain schools because they like to be a part of a winning tradition. So let me let me let's just let's just let's just dive right into dimly face on because you know I'm ready. So let me ask you this, Dave. If you took, let's just, I'm gonna give you a, a hypothetical question. If I took all the top athletes that are African American out of all PWI colleges, do you think they, and then I put them in HBCUs, do you think they can beat the HBCU? If you put all those top uh, black athletes in the, the uh, historically, you know, black colleges and universities, they would be kicking everybody else's butt. Right. So, so, so what I want to, what I want to take you back to, let's just go back in time to the 60s. Because that's what it was, because we couldn't go to those schools. They didn't want us. 
But they, well, they were good as it could be to see that. Now, what, what I'm saying is, <laughs> ironically, though, I was just as shocked as you were to look and see that in their selection criteria, it's the recruited athlete. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> I know that's a money play. I know what that's about. <laughs> so, listen, and, and you, you didn't see the Supreme Court say anything about that because yeah. it's money. So here's my thing. So that did surprise me, but we all knew that happened, but it, it surprised me because you don't think, nobody thinks of Harvard when they come to athletics. However, in the Ivy League standard, Harvard is always at the top of the conference. Right, and they they want to win. They want to beat. The <laughs> they want to win. They want to win. They want to kick Brown and Yale and all them butts. So they want to win. So um, so don't think just because they're not in the SEC or the, or, the, or the ACC or the Big Twelve. No, they want to win too. So I, I think though, when we look at this, for me, this is so much bigger than this case because this is the beginning of an avalanche that I see. If, if we don't speak about it, talk about it, educate people, because affirmative action had to be put in place to make people do what they wouldn't voluntarily do. Mm -hmm. That's why I was here. And well, the law was being telling, enforced. The law was not being enforced. The law was not being enforced. And that so was you the had problem. to make it a mandate. So yeah. now you're telling me in 2023, Coming off George Floyd, everything we've been dealing with, particularly, I'm just going to speak as Black Americans, you telling me that I'm supposed to have confidence to trust that if you now take the mandate off and you're not required to do it, that you're going to do the right thing? <laughs> I, now, I don't think this was a, a mandate at Harvard, was it? Was there a mandate at the school of at Harvard University that they had to take so many of each minority or, or whatever. Well, that, that's what affirmative action says for every school. You you get your federal funding and things like that that you get is based off that. So, yeah, uh, you can't get like because all those colleges have to take financial aid. So whether it's Pilgrim, right. whatever. So you can't get that if you are not apply, applying by the federal but, rule. But the uh, minorities, OK, it's not just blacks. They've got to take. No, blacks. it's minorities. It's so many Asian, so many Hispanic, so many uh, Blacks, so many uh, Native Americans, Indians, right. uh, so many whatever the mix. Right. And then and then um, I don't know about the women thing, whether uh, uh, a woman is part of that group or if it's just based on See, a woman race. is a gender, but a woman is not a race. Right. So so right. so what this is about is race. Action was gender or, or ethnicity. Right. Ethnicity, right? Right. This is specifically race, is what this whole ruling is okay. about. Now, so, so, so you I, can load up on certain, like if you say, okay, you have to have so many minorities, okay, could they just pack, stack the deck? Well, it's not, it's not even saying that. It's not even saying that. Because remember, affirmative action never said a quota. What it's saying is that you can't use race as a component of your admissions process. Now, I'm gonna say this. There are some people that you can kind of get an idea of what race they may be by their name. You can't, if you take a name like mine, you can't get an idea of my race or my gender by my name. That's right. That's right. You, you see where I'm going with this? Yes. Okay. So 
<laughs> if you can't use race, because that's what the ruler says, you that the way that they're doing it, so they got to take race out of it. So you you won't be able to know how many African American you because you yes. All right, so so that means now if you're trying to have a balance to make sure you got so many this and so you got a diverse student body, if you can't use race, you don't have no way of doing that. But you can't use race in your admissions process is what the ruling was. You you can't use it as a majority or sole factor in the admissions process. And that's what they deem both Harvard and UNC own, supposedly. Now, again, I'm looking at it beyond colleges because, as you know, with anything, it starts in one sector and then it grows into another. So, you know, it's like a snowball, right? It just builds, an avalanche builds. So what concerns me is, what does this ruling mean for tomorrow, for next year, for 10 years from now, for my child? What does it really mean for America? Because we got to look at it beyond the microcosm of school admissions at two schools. Sure. Because this is so much bigger than that. So what implication, what lifelong lasting implications is this move going to have? Now, help me understand this. Now, I'm getting, I'm a little confused. Okay, so... So admissions, when they brought in the, um, just the whole idea, well, the 14th Amendment was the equal protection. Correct. And then they came in and said, okay, it's not being enforced. So then they brought- Well, no, they said that the way that Harvard and UNC were handling the admissions process was in violation of the 14th Amendment equal protection clause okay it violated it that's that's what the ruling says yes because they were using quotas but you said they weren't using quotas nope. not because they were using quotas because they were using race as one of the criteria in the mission process one of the primary criteria and see i don't i don't understand the problem with that uh, either uh, unless it's, it says, okay, we're only going to bring in so many, or, or, or they set criteria and said, okay, we'll bring in so many or, or deny so many, whatever. I, that's wrong. It, I, I mean, I think I, I'm, I'm at the same loss you are. I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand the Supreme Court's ruling. Really, I don't. I will have to go back and read the opinions now, the individual opinions of each actual justice, uh, which is even more reading to do. Um, <laughs> but I think for me, um, I don't understand this. You, you, I, we, we've I watched understand. the law for 1978, no other Supreme Court. So you telling me you know something that no other Supreme Court has known since 1978. I got a hard time buying it. And then when I could see it if race was the only factor. Yes. That's not the case in either one of their admission process. Because if that was truly the case, then both of those schools will have a much larger African-American population than they do. Yes. So it's not like either one of them has a, a significantly large African-American population. Except in the athletics. Except for the athletics. <laughs> and you see that they're protected there. Yes. They're right. a separate category uh, yeah. of athletics. Yeah. Right. So I'm just going to tell you as a black man what that tells me. Yeah. 
You want me for my athletic prowess. You don't want me for my brain. Right. Right. One is okay. The other one is not. <laughs> you play, you entertain me, but I don't want you think. I don't want you thinking. Yeah. So I'm just being honest from a, from an educated black male perspective. That's how I read that. And I'm not alone. Right. That's essentially what you're saying. Cause you got a whole separate clause that protects the student athlete, which yeah. we know in, in, in college campuses, 80% of them are black. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And in the, I think in the power conferences, uh, and it depends on the sport too. Sometimes, the sport. yeah. Now, yeah. like hockey. Yeah, yeah. Minnesota doesn't have too many uh, black hockey players. Right. Uh, you know, Michigan, those guys, Ohio. Number State. one, we don't even like cold weather like that. <laughs> you know, right? Hey, I'm with you there, buddy. But know. look, let's take the sports. If we talk about basketball, football, uh, yep. baseball. Yeah. Yeah. You know, especially basketball and football, right? Yeah. Track. You know. Yep. Yeah. So I think, and let's face it, what are the sports that bring in the most money? Football brings in more money than any other sport, than basketball. So the top revenue generators are 80% African-American players. Now, you want the players because you got a whole clause to protect them, but you don't want our academic students. Right. Yes. Well, and I'm glad that they did finally get that likeness passed where these athletes that the schools are using – their likenesses and images and stuff that they should get benefits from that. Cause it's like they were using their advertising and, and now these athletes are getting some of that. And I don't know how it all breaks down, but you know, they were doing a lot of promotions and these, these guys were like, wait a minute, you know, you're using us, you know, well, one thing we get us, we get an education to play ball. Okay. But you're having to work double hard in my opinion, uh, you know, to do that. It's a hard, hard life, but they got tutors and all that stuff, but to use their images and stuff, I appreciated them saying, wait a minute, college university, you can't just take that money and keep it. You need to share, you know, cause these are the guys that are, are doing the work. So, but this, this affirmative action, help me understand the fact that you have affirmative action says you can't, um, it doesn't say you have to hire a, a certain amount. No, nope. specific- it doesn't. It doesn't say anything about quota. Remember, it says yeah. nothing about quota. So, so what? What benefit has it been? Affirmative action doesn't give you a number. Affirmative action says that you have to consider race. You have to consider it. Yeah, you have to consider race, and that that you know now, what what you referred to. There are several programs that say you have to, that, so like to get government contracts, to get funding, you have to have a certain percentage of minorities, a okay. certain percentage of this or that. So there are certain things you can't get if you don't have it, right? Or tax breaks, there are tax incentives based on when you have certain levels of minorities and diversity. So those are the things that affirmative action allowed to be put in place. But it doesn't, it doesn't say you got to have five uh, black guys. It doesn't say that. But it says race can be considered as a primary factor in you and in, in, in making decisions for uh diversity. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so now what you said in both cases, that athlete part is okay. <laughs> but the academic just administers on race, we're gonna take that out. Well, here's the reality of that. 
I feel some kind of way about it because it's almost like it's almost like okay, I'm okay. You tell me I can come visit you at your house, but you won't let me in the front door. Yeah. <laughs> so every time I come see you, Dave, you're nice to me. You're pleasant. You meet me outside. You hand me a bottle of water, but you never ever let me step foot in your house. Yeah. Now, as a man to another man, regardless of race. If I did that to you and you did to me, we know that you don't really care for me. That's right. I don't really yeah. care for you. Yes. Yeah. And nothing ever has to be said that's clear and obvious, right? Very clear. It's very so clear. That's more so my concern. What are we saying with yeah. this affirmative action vote Yeah. that and went straight down party lines? And we're talking about college admissions. And let me just put it up to see what even Harvard's... Um, let me just see. Now they could still do what they've been doing, uh, but not print it up. They could still keep, like they said, they said, hey, we're going to keep trying to make sure we don't lose the minority population in our student body. We're going to do everything we can to do that. And with today's, you know, technology, you can just print up everybody, you know, what they're doing and what they've been doing in the past. And so it's pretty easy to point out where back in 78, you couldn't do that. You couldn't point out injustices that were showing up, you know, and, and, and shame these schools, you know. No, you can't. And so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, break it down for you here because, all right. So enrollment breakdown for harvard based on race and ethnicity and i don't remember the year that this was poor i think in 2020 2021 uh the latest i can find here is 39.7 are white students at harvard 13.7 percent are asian 9.4 percent are hispanic or latino 6.5 percent are african-american students and three so right at 4% of students who identify with more than one race, so they're multiracial. All right, that's the breakdown of Harvard. A lot of Asian compared yeah. to the population of Asians in America. If you're just looking at the American body as a whole, the population breakdown. Yeah. It's not 13% Asian in, in America. Well, watch this, okay? North Carolina. White population is 58.3%. Asian population is 8.52. Hispanic or Latino is 8.2. Black or African American is 4.9. And multiracial is 0.385. So they're even worse. And, and in my opinion, it should be way higher. That should actually be so, flipped. So, so here's my here's my thing, Dave. We got to look at look at the context of this, right? This is why I says it says it makes a statement about America, whether we like it or not, because we're not talking about either school that has a huge population of black students, even with affirmative action. Mm -hmm. Now you take it away. And you want me to believe that these numbers are going to stay the same. And you think they're going to just drop like a rock. I do. Do you? I think that I think Harvard, I think UNC will be good for a couple of years, but I think it's going to drop. Yeah. Because now they don't have a mandate. 
So I don't have to do it. You know why? Because trustee gonna get involved. They gonna say, look, you ain't gotta do that anymore. So let's do this. Yeah. 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 I'm surprised. Uh North Carolina, I am and I'm not, but um I, I just kind of wonder what what's the makeup of the um the state's population. I'd say it's probably um 20 20 to 25 percent black North Carolina. Not and they, sure. And they have several now they have several other schools. North Carolina's got a lot of colleges yeah, and universities, tons. And I wish I don't have the, the, the information in front of me. I'm, I was trying to see if I could find it right quick. They've got but I would love to compare that to University of North Carolina's athletic race breakdown. Well, it's going to be pretty obvious. <laughs> right. right. Well, in the big in the big sports, football, ba well, basketball, you got such a small group. Football, you got a, a hundred. Yeah, but 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 remember, we're talking about North Carolina. Who brings in the money? Football and basketball. Football and basketball. Women's yeah. basketball in most places don't even make money. No, oh, no, no, no. Uh, volleyball, softball, uh, women's non-revenue sports, non-revenue, even baseball. The 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 men's you baseball. Lucky you you doing really good if you break even in baseball. There's no way, and you're not going to do that because you play too many games. I bet they don't. And track, you know, and track non-revenue of any gate. So not. let's just be honest with it. lacrosse, non-revenue. So let's be honest. What are we talking about here? We talking about football and basketball. Football and basketball. So yeah. let's look at the numbers of football and basketball. And where do you think the race breakdown of that's going? I'm going to say football is going to be 65% black. It's going to be more than that. You think it'll be higher? Really? So what do you think? 85, 80%? Look at Georgia's rust. Look at Alabama's rust. Look at USC's rust. You can go look at it. Yeah. You're right. I think you're right. You may be right. I, may be, I mean, it may be 90%. I'm just. I'm just calling the spade a spade here. So <laughs> you you respect my athletic abilities, but you don't respect my my intellectual abilities. And I got yeah. a problem with that. I'm gonna always have a problem with that because I don't think race determines how smart you are. And that goes back to slavery area era where they taught and per, per um they taught and they masqueraded the concept and push the idea of the black person is no. not as smart and is less than white. Well, they come learn. from a state where that was marginalized and shown and around us every day of our life. Yeah. And even to this day, if you get stopped by most police officers, they will show you that there's a difference between you as a black man and a white man. Yeah. And I can tell you that from fact. I don't have to dream about that. I don't have to watch a TV show to see that. I've lived it. <laughs> and still living it. Every day I get in the car. So my point is this. When we look, and I spent last week, a couple weeks ago, I told you I was spent just in museums, in civil rights museums, and slavery museums, really going back. So I am, I'm ready. I got time today. <laughs> and And so when you look at that, even when they were free, watch this. Even in 1863, 
the Emancipation Proclamation was signed in 1865 is when in Texas they found out they were free. Right. That's why we have Juneteenth. Here's the thing, though. Even then, when they were free, we were three-fifths of a person. Couldn't even vote. I'm not even a person, Dave. I don't know. At three fifths, you're still a person. You're you're pretty good. But I, I can't. I don't have a vote. I See, can't vote. And listen, I had a chance to look yeah. at the the poll tax, the test that they would give yeah. me in the South. Even once we got the right to vote, yeah, and we became a person, yeah. we had to take you know Jim Crow South. You had the poll tax. Yeah. Do you know I can't pass that test today? Oh, I, I went and read the questions on Axtel. One of the first questions was there were how many seeds are in a watermelon? Well, if it's seedless, none. <laughs> that's baloney. See, but, and that, that, but that's I mean, that's a question. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Ooh. It's like well, the question it, should be are you are you of voting age? Are you a citizen of this county or, or wherever? That's it. That's the way it should have been. That's the way it should have been. And I think going back though, Leslie, I think what happened, I think people when to get the the U.S. Constitution to get that all passed, I think it took. They almost had to say, "Wait a minute, to get this to go, we're gonna have to do this to get this all to work." Now, over time, we're gonna have to get this eliminated. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You don't all of a sudden just flip a switch and and you go from a a total slave uh, situation in America and then just throw it out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, listen, I don't think it would. So let's bring this, let's bring this thing home. We've been a long show. So Dave, I think that's my concerns as I, as I laid it out about affirmative actions. It's not so much the implications of the vote today, but what implications is it going to continue to have that we cannot even see at this point that concerns me? What does tomorrow look like? because of the decision that was made last week. What does next year look like because of the decision that was made last week? And what implication is that gonna have on our lives and the future generations? Yeah. I just I just can't find it in me to believe that now in a post-affirmative action society, that we are now in America that I know, that I've been watching here as of the last three years, is gonna all of a sudden turn a new leaf and do something that they haven't ever done. So that, you know, and, and I can say that coming from a black man, because even though I live in a country where we say we're free, I've never lived a free experience. I'm reminded of the little subtle reminders every day, things like we've talked about this year and I, things that you don't have to even think about that I have to contemplate to go through my mind. Right. So now what are the, what are the long term effects of this decision? Mm-hmm. is what, what concerns me more. Not just two schools, because I think these two schools um, will do what they do because they're, they've they been around forever. They're old. they got plenty of money. Um, they can they can weigh the water, as it says. But I yeah. don't think... I'm just curious to see. I, even at these schools, which are not athletic juggernauts except for North Carolina and basketball, still have protected the athlete status, cause, and we know why. Yeah. <laughs> but yet... Money. Right. Right. So, again, um, that's why I am, I think, is, listen, we've had a help. We just showed you how to have a healthy discussion today uh, and really, and we're going to, Dave and I continue to have dialogue about this because it's not a right or wrong. It's just about fairness. 
And and the real question is, was America in a place where this decision was really true? And number two, if you really look at the decision, I could challenge them on some of the decisions because where can you show me in their policies that they're making a sole decision on race or the majority decision on race? And both of their policies, race was only one factor of several. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. Somebody's gonna have to show that to me. I am open to hearing it. I am open to to, to 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 being shown what I don't see. But from my eyes and what I've read, and what I've been able to understand about it, it the, the as the kids say, the math does math. <laughs> you know, and so um, I'll, I'll let you close it out with your closing words. Then. Well, here's what I'm thinking, Leslie. Like I said before, we have a 100% control over what we say and what we do, our attitude and our effort, 100% control. And so what we've got to do is what's in our control is we can't help it, you know, whoever the justices are or whoever, whatever, we don't control any of that stuff, but we do control each other. So when we see a person in need or somebody being bullied or whatever the situation is, we've got to stand up and and stop it. Okay. And so it's an everyday, every hour ordeal for all of us. We've got to all stand up and fight injustice anytime we see it. Now I can't fight it in Dallas, Texas, but you can because you're in Dallas, but I can fight it here in Southern Indiana when I see it. And, and, and that's what we need to do as human beings is say, wait a minute, what's right's right. And what is wrong is wrong. Okay. And whenever we see it, we need to recognize it and we need to do something about it. Now we cannot, we may not be able to personally do it, but we can get a hold of someone that can, or we may be able to go to the source that can, can change it or fix it. But when we can stand up, We've got to do it. And it's every day. It's every day. It, just the slightest thing. Like you said, Leslie, a while ago. Perfect example. Okay. We're driving through Memphis the other day. A couple white guys. Okay. We're going through an area that's, you know, a lot darker than us. I guarantee you. Mm-hmm. We pull in. We get some gas with our big old truck and trailer and all this. And and there's a young fellow there. Big black fellow. And he makes you look like a runt. I'm telling you, he must have been an NFL lineman. Big fella. Well, he has trouble with his tire, his, his flat tire, and he, he's trying to air it up. And and uh, my buddy and I were like, hey, you know, what's going on? Can we help you? And we tried to help him with his spare. He said, well, it's my wife's car. And and he, he said he's only about a mile away from home, and he tried to fix it. And we said, hey, why don't we do this? And we tried to get him, you know, get it aired up. We got some of that sealant, get him on his way, and we got him some air in there. And, and he was, you know, safe now to get home. And we didn't have to do that, but we recognized right there in front of us was an opportunity to help another human being in need. And we had the means to do it. I mean, we had the ability to help him. And that's what you and I have to do as listeners, as people step up when there's a need, when there's a, a problem or an injustice and right the wrong. Dave, that's why I gave you the last word. I couldn't have said it better myself. Guys, you, the key to all of this is love. If we love each other, we don't need mandates because yeah. our heart is going to mandate that we do the right thing. Yeah. I love this guy, and I know this guy <laughs> loves me. Amen. And, and because of that love, it's going to mandate that we do the right thing. So the message through all of this is we need more of you to step up and love somebody that looks different than you. Right. I need you to do it now. Now, Don't wait till tomorrow. I need you to start right now. Yeah. I need you to start loving people and truly getting to know people 
that don't look like you, didn't come from the background you came from, don't have the same ideologies you have, don't have the same beliefs you have. At the end of the day, if I, my blood, you cut me, my blood's going to be red, Dave's going to be blood. If we same blood type, Dave's going to take my blood. And I can tell you because of my blood type, I'm universal, so I can donate to everybody. So <laughs> he's not, if he's in need, <laughs> he's going to take my blood. That's, That's right. love. So that's my final message is love conquers all of this. That's what the Bible tells us anyway. That's where it all should start. So if we love each other, we don't need a mandate to be nice to each other. That's right. That's the message. I love you, Dave. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. That's my good friend, George Wallace, to say. <laughs> Amen. Today, love you, too, buddy. You can find us on YouTube for the video podcast. Find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Listen Notes. Anywhere you find your podcast, you can find us. We look forward to seeing you for episode 27 uh, next week. And until then, stay tuned. And then also, we will remind you next week, we're going to start going live this month uh, for our show, where you will be able to come in and interact with us. So that is coming in the month of July. So just hang on. You think it was hot now? You about to get, we about to, you about to get able, be able to get involved and join us in the conversation. So until next time, do something you haven't done. Love somebody that doesn't look like you.